Radical Truth is a podcast produced by TBLI Group and hosted by Robert Rubenstein. TBLI is making the financial system work for all. Our podcasts cover the wide range of ESG and impact investing topics. What it is, why is it booming, is it really helping, is impact regenerative in nature? How will climate change impact investments? There will be regular interviews with thought leaders, some known, some not known, but all brilliant, and we will have engaging conversations with all of them. Can we create an economy based upon well-being? Let's make the financial system work for all. This is Radical Truth. Mats Andersson, former CEO of Swedish pension fund AP4, will share his vision as to how asset managers and asset owners can decarbonize their portfolio and still achieve alpha. This is Radical Truth. I am really, really lucky today because one of my superheroes in the ESG and impacting space that has actually been doing and not so much talking about it, but is a very uh, humble person. I think he follows the law of Jan Talag and is not not to boast. Uh, Mats Andersen, who was the CEO of AP4, who is, I think, the only person I know in the investment management space and sustainability that actually won the Legion d'honneur and who is now on the investment committee of the, the largest sovereign wealth fund that no one's ever heard of in Germany. So, uh, Matt, for those in the audience that are not familiar with you, if you can unmute your mic and just briefly tell us uh, the fourth button. Yeah, there you go. Just tell tell briefly the, the audience of who you are and what you did and how you actually got a major pension fund to integrate sustainability. And thank you very much for taking the time for this. Thank you, Robert, and thank you for those very kind words. And good afternoon to, to everyone. Um, I'm happy to have this opportunity to share with you uh, my reflections uh, on the journey we did at AP4 on sustainability and especially on climate change. My background is I been working 10 years as a business journalist after, after educating from Stockholm University. I then spent 10 years in investment banking, mainly as head of Warburg's and Deutsche Bank equities operation in the Nordics, and then 15 years in the pension industry, 10 of them as CEO at AP4. And I left AP4 uh, five years ago, and today uh, I'm a happy pensioner. <laughs> Uh, but I have a few assignments. I am a non-executive director of Carneo. Um, it's um, the biggest independent asset uh, manager in the Nordics. Uh, I'm uh, on the board of Nyfosa, a listed real estate company in Sweden. And I'm also on the board of Global Challenges Foundation. It's foundation founded by my old mentor, Lasse Sombatsfalvi, uh, today 94 years old, uh, still going strong. And the foundation's mission is to find global governance that can deal with the global risks we have. I also am uh, advisor to Kenfo, uh, the German uh, nuclear decommissioning fund. Uh, I am a advisor to OAT, the green uh, government bond in France. Uh, and I'm also advisor to Spark Change, 
uh, a newly formed company that uh, works with um, carbon emission allowances. So that's my background. Um, and how did I get on this train or this journey on, on sustainability? Well, I, I can share with you that when I came to AP4 in 2006, uh, AP4 was the poorest performer of the APs, uh, and it was quite a task to turn that around. And when I read uh, the law, uh, because it's a government fund and it's regulated by law, uh, it says that you should take ESG into consideration without giving up returns. And I thought <laughs> that's impossible. Uh, it's good. I mean, you can give up returns if it's for good sake, uh, but uh, over time you will definitely have a lower return. Then uh, a few years later, around 2010, my old mentor, Laszlo Sombat Falvi, started to, to get interested in global catastrophic risks. And he at one of our meetings said, or, or lunch, he said that, Matt, how do you uh, mitigate a risk like climate change as a long-term investor? And I said to Laszlo, well, you know, I don't know if, if climate change is real. And if it is, it's for the politicians uh, to uh, address. So he starts sending me books, articles, and keep on all these questions. How do you do blah, 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 blah. And then I finally said, okay, it is probably a risk that you need to uh, address. Uh, and if the, the risk is always the probability times um, the, the cost of, of, of um, that risk occurring, so even though if, if it was a small portion or, or probability for a climate change uh, risk to, to expire, uh, you still, it, the damage would be so, so big that so you actually need to address it here and now. And then I said, this is probably what big pension funds have been doing for many years. So in 2011, 2012, I traveled around the globe. I met 10 of the world's 20 largest pension funds and I asked them about risk. Uh, and they all had answers related to volatility. So volatility was, volatility was the big risk. And in my view, that is rubbish. Volatility is not big risk for a long-term investor. Um, so um, and then I asked them, what's your exposure to, to climate change? And none of them, zero, in 2011 had any idea of climate change being a risk and even more or less, they had addressed it. So I had to invent the, the wheel. I went back to Stockholm, to, to the fund, and I spoke to the young, clever guys at the equities department, and I described that I think that we have a mispriced risk in terms of foresight, and I would like to address that in, in a smart way. Uh, so please come up with an idea. Uh, and it took... Well, probably four or five months, and then they said to him, Matt, it's not, it's not a, a, a big question. What you need to do is get out of fossil. Um, but at that time, I'm sure I would never have got that mandate uh, from the board because it was, it was too revolutionary at that time. Uh, so uh, we had to do something else. So I, I said to Frederick that, please come up with some, something else. This is not good enough. And took another five or six months, and they said, I found a way to do it. And then he described that he took S&P 500 and the carbon footprint for those 500 companies. And then he took out 150 worst polluters in every sector, i.e. it was sector neutral. And by going from 500 companies to 
350 companies. Uh, the tracking error of doing this was about 07, 08, i.e. this was a way to address the risk. Um, and so I, I went to the board and I asked them if I could get the mandate and you get all these funny questions. So, can, Mats, can you guarantee? <laughs> no, don't no guarantees, not, not in this game either and never will be. Uh, but finally, they actually uh, gave me the, the opportunity to start a fund uh, on, on this. And we also cooperated a lot, like I did, with, with Amundi and Fred, Fredrik Samamar. You probably know him, uh, quite a few of you. So uh, we started to, to try to get other pension funds on board. And in this work, Fred came to me in 2014 and said, Mats, I think we should, should be in the climate week in um, New York in, in, in September. And we should promise, because Ban Ki-moon at that point wanted hardcore commitments ahead of 2015 and, and the COP21 in Paris. Uh, so Fred uh, convinced me that, yes, I should stand up in, in the General Assembly and I should promise Ban Ki-moon that he will get $100 billion of pension capital earmarked for addressing climate change as a misprint risk. Uh, and I, I tell you, I was pretty nervous. And the day after, I said to myself, what have we done, Fred? And Fred came up with the idea to, to form an alliance, Portfolio Decarbonization Coalition. Uh, so we wanted to find the doers, those that were willing to, to do and to share experience with others. So we started to travel. And in September, uh, two, three months before uh, the, the, the COP meeting in Paris, we were at 40 billion, nowhere near the 100. Um, and I, 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 I prepared a speech to Ban Ki-moon to say 40 billion is quite substantial anyway, but it was not the 100. But then the last month before the Paris COP meeting, uh, we were contacted and I think very many pension funds wanted to do something and wanted to, to look a bit good. So they came to the uh, alliance and um, in November in 2015, I was able to to um, present the uh, coalition with uh, 25 members, 3 trillion US under management, 600 billion earmarked for uh, mitigating uh, climate change. And then we kept this alliance. We met once a year and we shared uh, our experience on how you can decarbonize an equity portfolio, how you can engage in companies, etc. It was a very good ex experience and I think it shows that if you can get the doers to come together, gather them, you can actually move the flag, uh, definitely. Uh, so um, we at, at AP4 continue to, to address uh, different angles of, of sustainability, not only climate change. And to my, to my big surprise, I could uh, then conclude that we were seed funders in a fund that were addressing um, child labor. We were seed funders in a fund uh, focusing on gender equality. We started a fund in Japan uh, to engage, uh, i.e. governance issues. Uh, we sold out of tobacco. And whatever we did, uh, it ended up that we actually made money instead of, of losing money. So I was totally wrong in 2006 that 
that uh, sustainability is a way to uh, lower your returns. It's quite the other way around. And I think that is important that, but because if you, if you have a mindset uh, that you don't believe it is a way to mitigate risk and improve your, your, your <clears throat> returns, then you will never move the capital needed to make this, this happen. So then where are we today? Um, first of all, maybe you can, 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 or I have at least asked myself, could, have, could I have done things differently uh, over, the, over the 10 years at AP4? And the, the answer, of course, is yes. I could have done more. I could have been more radical. Um, but you, you have to, to bear in mind the time we had uh, because the low-carbon indices that we produced, that was revolutionary stuff in 2012. Uh, today it's mainstream. So a lot has happened, but I think that you need to be more, more, more walk and less talk. Uh, and we need to be more transparent. And I think it's a bit easy today, I'll come back to that, to uh, be part of an alliance and sign on to that. And then you're, you're sort of let go. Uh, we need to be more concrete in what we do. We, we know the needs if we're going to make the transition from where we are to where we need to be. And for every year and every day that passes, I'm getting more and more worried because what I see is not what I would like to see. I think it's too little, too little um, action. Um, and, looking at, and, and in my view, the most existential risk we have is climate change, period. Um, and what scares me is that we are now back to the same level as pre-corona in terms of, of letting out O2. And that is definitely not good enough. And I can hear from at least Swedish politicians that they are a bit stepping back on, on commitments they've done, they've done um, earlier. A new phenomenon is the taxonomy. Uh, which as an idea is a great thing because you can uh, find the, the booklet where you, where you can actually read what assets are green and what, which are not. The problem with this is that if you have ever been into sustainability, into green, into defining this and to, to um, act as a method, you know that this is, this is tough. This is... Um, pretty, pretty um, um, difficult to define exactly what is green and not. And when I hear from Brussels that they are going to classify Swedish hydropower as non-green, then nothing really makes sense. And the problem is, if you get this little toolbox telling you what is green and not, and people are starting using it, because that's the whole idea, you will definitely move capital from one side to another. And you don't really know if it is for the good or for the bad, in my view. So I would have preferred to have a, a taxonomy that is based on self-regulation. Uh, because if you regulate, and you can't regulate what is green and what is sustainable, in my view. Uh, and I don't want Brussels to define that. Because if you do that, you will let the CEOs and, and the boards actually get away because they can read the book and they can know exactly what they're doing. And if something goes wrong, you can always blame Brussels. I think that sustainability and, and uh, the challenges we have should be on everybody's <clears throat> agenda every day. And then again, make it... Uh, comply or explain, uh, rather than have this sort of regulation that is coming on to us now. 
Um, yes. Uh, and then I, I strongly believe that, as I said before, um, there is not one way or one silver bullet. I think we should let the hundred flowers bloom. Try whatever you, you, you want. Be transparent and share your experience with others. Because if there is a, a silver bu bullet, I think it's a tax. Uh, and what I don't understand is we know that the cost for um, um, letting out one ton of CO2 is roughly $500. And if that is the case, uh, then I think the society will make a profit if they can support anyone that takes out one ton of CO2 as long as they pay less than the 500 and you can imagine if we had a tax of, say, half of that, 250, then we would see capital move from, from the fossil to the non-fossil. And we know that, that pension funds will be totally different structured than they are today. So I, th I think, again, that, that the tax is probably the best way to get around. And you don't need to have the same tax in every country because you can clear this as you clear uh, VAT today, so you cannot v and we have different VATs levels, and that is not the problem because we clear it by the border, and that is what we can do with with CO2 as well. And from my experience, once you introduce a tax, it's not temporarily; it will be there forever. Uh, the VAT tax in Sweden was actually introduced as a temporary tax of one percent. Now it's very permanent at twenty five. Uh, so again, I think that get more into doing doing the work and again be more bold in what you do and and please report and do it transparently and before you sign on to another alliance whatever it is make sure that you are with the right uh, members and that you actually make this whatever alliance it is um, a successful and forceful one because at the end of the day, to conclude, I mean, ESG is not about looking good. It's all about risk mitigating uh, and finding assets that are wrongly priced. And don't forget, I always finish with, with what if, um, say, 30, 40 years from now, when your kids and grandkids come to you and they say, and, and we were heading for plus four and we're heading to, to, to a planet that will definitely will not be a nice place to live. What will you tell your kids when they ask you, were you aware of this? Did you do anything? Did you have a mandate? Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Matt. Um, and I, I had some questions for you um, because you were quite an, a pioneer in getting other asset owners to embrace the idea of sustainability and climate. Uh, but there's this whole discussion now about divesting from fossil fuels as an asset owner or a manager, or no, let's not divest, because if we divest and we don't have anything to say, we have to stay engaged. Where, what do you believe is the right strategy for changing the behavior of the oil majors? Uh very good question. Uh, next, please. <laughs> no, well, I, this this is the argument that I um, meet 
now and then when they say when when we decided to to leave tobacco right uh, they said how can you do that i mean uh, you don't know who the new owners are and, and blah 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 but i think that um is it possible to engage with a tobacco company and telling them to stop producing tobacco no so engaging with a tobacco company doesn't work when it comes to fossil maybe but then you have to engage at the right level and i would say if you really want to engage with the fossil uh, uh, oil companies then you need to put people on the board that's exactly what happened in exxon but when i was at 84 and i if i would have a view on on exxon and i call them and say hi this must have been at 84 in stockholm listen closely <laughs> they, they wouldn't so so is in and then when find that there is no way that you can influence and that was the case at least when i was day before our possibility to engage with exxon were were not nil um but i think times have changed i think there are pioneers in actually engaging and make sure that you get the right people on board because i remember uh, agm in shell i think it was some five or six years ago when you had owners Uh, representing 98% of the votes at the AGM uh, and they wanted shall to report more transparently on the risk what they're doing blah 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 uh, and they 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 got what they wanted uh, a promise to to report more frequently and to report more um, with more re- relevance but after that the the last word came from one of the board members saying you're going to get your information and your reports but remember our long term view is that we will have a plus 4 scenario plus 4 degree scenario and if that would have happened in sweden i mean that guy would have been kicked out because i think that pension funds also must act on the g the governance and governance to me is actually being an owner and you should definitely engage as much as you can but you come to points with tobacco probably with some of the oil companies uh, especially in china how on earth do you do you engage with the with the chinese oil company please <laughs> let me know because that was the case when we set up the fund in japan we had a few companies that did, did try to engage with but they never answered the call they never sent a letter back no nothing so we find three japanese guys who did the governance or the engaging with tremendously good results so again back to your 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 question i think that you need to to have a realistic view whether you will be able to change or not and whether you can can engage and i think then you need definitely some local guys also addressing it because i think that when i was at day before we we owned about 1% of of the stock on stock exchange um market happens in sweden <clears throat> but i i always thought that we have the power of actually representing 10% because i knew everyone and if i wanted to to engage with volvo it would take me less than 2 minutes or sorry 2 hours to get the the, the five or the six biggest owner and i know them all 
if I come to Japan, it's another story. So <clears throat> I've always had a dream of actually finding an alliance, even though I'm not very much fond of them, where you where you try to act together on governance issues and making sure that you get the right people on the board, because that's where it starts. Have you ever come across a company with an excellent chairman and a poorly run companies? There, there are probably some out there, but I, I would say, no, that's very, very rarely that you do. So why don't, as a long-term investor, engage every time there is a change of chairs? I think that's the first move uh, and, and the starting point. You you uh, gave a presentation, uh, I remember when we held TBLI in Stockholm. It was a brilliant presentation of how you got through the process. But I was particularly impressed with your analysis of different corporate governance structures between North America, Europe, Northern Europe, Japan yeah. and Korea, which uh, which also was um, kind of complex. Uh, have you seen changes in the way these governance structures, or can you say something? What have you found to be the most effective corporate governance structure to make a company more focused on their sustainability impact? I, I think uh, I, I can send you. Uh, those slides on on the different models that were at least five years ago, and I, I can I can also share with you um, the latest update, or not really latest, but but an update on on the owner structure in Samsung. If anybody's come across it, because I was I was in Japan uh, and I was describing the, the Swedish uh, governance model, where you have shareholders, you have the AGM, and you have the board, and you have the CEO and the management. Very clear distinction between different roles. Uh, and in, in one of the breaks, a guy from a university in, in South Korea came up to me and said, interesting what you're saying about governance in Sweden, all that. Do you know the, the owner structure in Samsung? And, and, and <laughs> it's uh, very, something very special. So I realized that it's totally different story to, to do this. But I think there is, I think if, if we're going to take on climate change seriously, we need to make sure that we got the right people on board. So I would say, and I, I, I hope at least that we see a bit of a change where owners now are more engaged, where they actually realize that we have a role to play and we have a mandate to act. Uh, and the more, the more the merrier and the more uh, capital we can can collect or gather, the more impact we will have. So yes, it's happening. Uh, but again, I think it's happening too, too slow. Uh, and the, I think that the government's model in the US, for example, where you have the CEO and the chair, now and then this, this, the same person, where you have AGMs, where it's only recommendations and the board can, can leave it or they can, can take it on. So, so it's 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 in my, my view uh, an absurd governance model they have, but I think that as as what happened at, at Exxon was was it's it's a major step, because hopefully that can be a role model going forward when you can have the long term capital and the short term capital coming together, pushing hard, and actually making a difference. Okay, uh, Veronique had wanted to grab the mic, so I'm going to let her join us with her question. Veronique, are you there? Okay, there yes. we go. Yes, hi. Hello, uh, Veronique. 
Thank you very much for this interesting conversation. Um, one of the things that came to my mind when I heard you say that every time there is a change on the board, you have to engage and make sure that there's uh, the right people who step on, on the board or are appointed. Would there be also a discussion that there might be room on the board for, so to speak, um, representatives that do not really represent the, the economic aspects of the company? So younger people or people who represent the uh, next generation or any any idea could you know could be interesting to to see what what's your view on that one good question uh, and and i think that the the way it's done in sweden i think it's it's a, it's um, a governance model that, that's out is that the three to four largest owners in every company uh, will form a nomination committee and they will meet say in, in August and then they will interview every board member uh, and they will um, have a presentation by the CEO on where they're heading and you, you, it's mandatory in Sweden that you have to make a board evaluation that the nomination committee will, will have as well. So all this together it means that these three to four uh, uh, people on, on, on the nomination committee by end of February will have a proposal for the next AGM on who's going to be on the board. And they also have to motivate why they are changing, taking on or, or get, letting people go. And they also should have a view on the remuneration for the board. And the board is only non-executives in Sweden, yeah. uh, bear in mind. Um, but I think that's the plus with this is that once you have, uh, well, the majority or say 20% of the owners behind you, you have also as a board a stronger mandate uh, to change. And you have a clear link between the owners, the board, uh, and the management. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that was a question, uh, answer to your question, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's more about how to make sure that there's diversity on the board and that, you know, how, I think diversity in the team is always good and, and just how, how to, to get there is, is an important yeah. thing in this uh, subject, I guess. And, and I think, and, and also that is, is that is actually what the nomination committee should consider. Do they yeah. need, what is the best board for this company, given where they are now and where they are supposed to be or want to be in five years' time? Well, thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you, Ver Ver Veronique. Um, I, I had a, a, a kind of a, um, a challenging question for you. There's claims of $40 trillion going into ESG. You know, everybody is claiming everything I do is ESG. It doesn't matter. It's all ESG. So if there's $40 trillion going into ESG, which is claimed by the trade associations, why are the challenges with climate, carbon, water, food, social injustice, worse than ever. So is it that their definition is wrong as to what is an ESG investment, or are they lying? <laughs> Next question, I know. <laughs> a bit of both. Uh, no, I think it's a, it's a very relevant uh, comment, and, and that's my point. But when you look at all the acronyms, you have today and you have trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions. And still, when you look at the real capital flow and the real investments, 
if they were invested in a sustainable way, we would have seen much more of that in our daily life. And we would have seen actually the, 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 the curve on, on carbon emissions coming back. Uh, it happened during the, 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 the uh, COVID, uh, but, but now we're back track uh, and they are increasing again. Uh, and that's my point. I mean, it's, it's not enough to sign up to a alliance. You need to make sure that actually it fulfills your thoughts and your ideas on how to make this change. Because we know if we're going to go from where we are today, where we ought to be and need to be and must be uh, some years from now, then it's we, we need to start actually doing more of a walk than talk. To me, it's more talk. And I'm, I'm extremely skeptical, as you probably figured out, on how you define what is sustainable or not. And then I would also say that maybe uh, the SDGs made it more blurry, uh, because I still believe that we have one risk that is so much bigger than the rest, and that's the climate change. So let's focus on that and really make sure that the envelope is, is, uh, is passed on. Okay, I'm going to start taking some questions because we have a big list of questions here. So Aaron, uh, you can definitely see this is a financial nerd with this question. Can major financial institutions create derivative and future securities that are evolved from the current futures market on the things like the weather to completely account for losses from major catastrophic events like hurricanes, tornadoes, and major crop damage related to climate? Another good question. <laughs> uh, I think financial markets has a role to play in actually where 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 you can can have a a risk measured, uh, right or wrong, uh, and that's why I, I believe that that carbon emission allowances or trading those is one way to actually push the price on, 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 on carbon emissions from a, a financial point of view. Because the big point is that you need to understand that there are mispriced risks out there. And I still believe after all these years that that, that fossil is still mispriced. Um, and what I cannot understand either is is you have you have these oil companies and we know that one third of all known reserves today must stay underground, right? And what do they do? They're still drilling. <laughs> and on top of that, one third that should be, be stayed on is probably have a book value of trillions of dollars again. Uh, so there, there's going to be drama. And, and that's a way for where, where financial markets, in my view, uh, could play a role. And, and by finding different structures for allowances could, could play a role in kicking up the price, getting closer to the real cost for society today. Okay. Uh, Beata then had a question. What would you say to someone who wants to tar start LNG project because it's the only way to bring in capital in a developing country, in, in this case in Africa, create jobs, lift the economy of the poor country? The message is to do good, impactful, but there is no other way to bring in sufficient energy in the region. What would you say to, what would you advise someone like that? That want to raise capital for an investment. Yeah, I mean the the only way, the only real project of bringing capital to develop the energy sector in this country, I think it's in Africa, is LNG project. Yeah. Uh, 
I think we, we, we touched upon on a very crucial point, and that is climate change cannot be dealt by on a local basis. Climate change doesn't have a passport leading one country to another. Uh, so if we really want to be serious on this, we need to find a global structure uh, to deal with these risks. That's what my old mentor, Laszlo, is, is still thinking of. Uh, so I, I think up until we have a common structure for this, that's one, one point, I think it's hard. The second point on this is what, what, what strikes me is that I can go to my own country, Sweden, uh, where they have a climate law saying that we should be carbon neutral by 2045. Bravo. Um, they set up an independent evaluation committee that oversees that we're actually going there and where the law says that every major decision taken in the parliament should be also be looked upon from a climate point of view. Excellent again. Uh, what happened? Nothing. Uh, so if, if, you, if you want to have, with all these commitments of being carbon neutral and all that, you need to have a roadmap. How do we get there? We haven't got that roadmap, not in Sweden, not in Europe, not on a global basis. Because if you had that roadmap, and if you were to match 1.5 degrees, you can easily see that we need more investments in Africa on energy uh, and where they should have all the possibilities in the world, given the, the climate they already have. But nothing has happened here either. But that could happen. I think there were capital committed at COP26 for South Africa and in, in the region of 85 billion US. Uh, then what, what actually will land or not, it, it's a totally different question. But, but again, I, I think that, well, you, you, you should try whatever way you can to because the situation pretty poor. But you will not have the end solution until you can actually, again, have a more global approach to this, or at least find alliances uh, that that can deal with this. And, and how you do that, I don't know. Who's, um, Aaron wanted to know, who sets a global regulatory standard for compliance and reporting for sustainability? Or at least who do you think should or, or is doing the best job? Uh, I think this is this is dealt by with with sort of regional approaches, uh, and EU is one region. Uh, and I always say that if again, I mean, if 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 you want to to have um, a real impact on this, we need to come together again. And I would love to have a taxonomy not only for Europe but a taxonomy globally that everybody can have. And I think those that ought to have a big impact on what is being done or not uh, are auditors, of course, um, because it's in their mission to actually uh, to do that, um, and also rating agencies. Uh, so that's probably the two entities that, that will have the major role in this. And then, of course, I think that Behind this, you have the owners, the long-term owners, the pension funds um, that can actually say this is what we need. And, and um, 
or if you are an owner, you can actually have quite to say. Elena wanted to know, are there any systemic, sorry, systematic methods to engage with companies such that on portfolio level it can be done at scale? Thank you. Uh, another good question. Uh, I, th I think that there aren't any sort of one-size-fits-all. Uh, I, I think it's different. You, you always have to start with the owner structure you have. Uh, and I'm sorry for referring to Sweden, but I mean, that's, that's the market and the country I know best. Uh, but in nine cases out of ten, I think that Swedish company has a long-term owner, uh, either an investment company or it could be private individuals like the Wallenberg family, blah, 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 blah. So that makes it more, oh, it's different anyway, because you can always rely and you can always have somebody that will actually take the long-term perspective, which is mo mostly needed. When you come to companies where you have more fragmented ownership, it's much tougher. Uh, but I think there is no other way than actually making sure that, that um, pension funds do play a role in actually engaging in who's going to be on the board and how the companies run. Uh, and then you have to, to stick together. Now, coming back to my, my old dream of actually having a pension fund, an AP4 in every country. So I could give my 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 shares in France to, to the AP4 of France and, and mm. et cetera, because then I could represent in Sweden the same, I'm representing AP4 plus these five or these seven uh, big international institutions. And then you can really have uh, an impact. How do, how do you get, I mean, now it might be a bit easier, but when you started to put this alliance together, you you know, not everyone was at a high level of understanding or awareness where you might have been. How do you get the the disbeliever, the non-believer, the fake news, the MAGA hat <laughs> embracing person to see that this is in their interest? I, I think the absolute best way, and that's what I'm coming back to all the time, sustainability is not about looking good. It's about making money and addressing or mitigating risk. And once they understand that if I'm not into this and not doing this, I will be left behind. I will have a poorer performance because nobody would like to be left behind. Um, and now it's time to actually uh, act. And, and um, But I, I also know there's a tyranny uh, among law, uh, pension funds when you want to start something new because they are, to be honest, I think that, that people are more afraid of doing wrong than actually willing to take a bit of a risk and see if you can change and make some extra money. Uh, we have this, this if, if, you, if you want to start a fund, if you don't have three years of track record, don't even knock on the door. Uh, and what we found out the day before was the three first year were, were usually the best years <laughs> to be invested when, when, when you win. Oh, really? Absolutely. Uh, but but so, many, so many funds have this sort of rule that if you don't have three years of track record, don't come here. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Before we, before we um, switch to the uh, mixer where everyone will be connected with each other for a five-minute video chat, what can this audience that's watching now 
and those that are watching the replay or watching the YouTube or Facebook streaming, what can they do to help you? Because well, you say you're retired, but I don't believe it. <laughs> no, I, but uh, when I, I, I the, the questions I, I put last when I spoke on, on, on what, what, what will you tell your, your, your kids and grandkids? Start in that point because everyone has a mandate. Everyone has a possibility to actually move the flag a bit. Uh, and if you can do this in a, in a smart way, the better and the, the more impact you will have. But, but start where you are. And then we need, we definitely need this roadmap, this map showing where we are and where we're heading and who's going to do what. But we don't have that uh, now. And I'm afraid that with all the commitments uh, on, on where you're going to be in, in, in five or 10 years, 20 years or 30 years, you will come to a point where, I mean, the environmental ministry in Sweden uh, in an interview a week ago said that, I don't know, carbon neutral 2045 hmm, could be a tough one. And, and once you have those commitments that you are so proud of and then step away from them, I think that's, that's a nightmare. I'm also worried that when you implement uh, the taxonomy in whatever way it is finally uh, constructed, use your head and never, ever believe that anybody else should define what is sustainable or not. That is up to you. And it's up to you to find ways to mitigate those risks that are aligned with that. Thank you. Uh, one final comment. Is there a way for us common folks to be involved with the alliance that you mentioned? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think the best way, and, and I, I, that is definitely a change over the past 10 years, is that today uh, uh, you have individuals that can actually make decisions on where to put the pension capital and their savings. And I can see from, from the engagements I have today that when I came on, on, onto the board of, of Caneo some, some five or six years ago, the interest for, for sustainability, so-so. Mm, uh, today, everybody's very keen to understand and to make sure that we have products that are regarded as sustainable. And I'm telling them all the time that, that don't just refer to taxonomy. You yourself need to explain why you've done this or that, because there is no one size fits all. You have to do it case by case, but you, you can do something. And what private individuals can do is actually make sure that their pension capital and the savings capital is put in hands of those that really uh, care. Um, and and I, I think that I, some of you probably read this article on Bloomberg about about um, McDonald's <laughs> and how easy it is to play around with figures, and you can go from 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 dark green to to to, to red, uh, and, and it's all about how you define things. Is it is it scope two, one, or three? And when when, when companies when 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 pension funds tell them we're going to go carbon neutral by whatever year, the dios do how do you measure this? Where are you today? Uh, scope two, scope three, one, 
Uh, that's not the, the kind of answer I, I would like to have. Thank you to our guests and audience for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, please subscribe where you listen to your podcast. This was Radical Truth. Stay safe.